Hey there, everyone. This is What a Week, part of the Vanguard Podcast Network. I'm your host, Nick Gatlin. Here's all the news that you need to know this week. The protesters at Portland rallies to show support for police and President Donald Trump's re-election engaged in physical combat repeatedly with counter-protesters on Saturday without police intervention. Members of the crowd used an array of weapons, including baseball bats and firearms, to beat and threaten those they opposed. Portland has once again become a focal point for activists of opposing ideologies following Trump's repeated characterizations of the city as dangerous because of nightly Black Lives Matter protests. After Friday night protests that saw some people damaging police vehicles and police responding with arrests, Trump tweeted it was, quote, another bad night of rioting in Portland, Oregon. The president and his supporters have been consistently critical of Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler and other city leaders for not using police more aggressively to tamp down the nearly three months of nightly demonstrations. Quote, we're here in support of law and order and our city, demonstrator Brooke Reynard said, we don't feel that violence is necessary to bring about peace because Martin Luther King did not use violence in his civil disobedience. However, that sentiment toward nonviolence was short-lived. Pro-Trump demonstrators, people carrying shields with references to the QAnon conspiracy theory, and members of the Proud Boys, a self-described chauvinist group that regularly engages in violence, all gathered around noon, some carrying rifles. The various rallies were held under banners such as the No Marxism in America rally and the Trump 2020 Cruise rally. Counter-protesters from anti-fascist groups like Popular Mobilization PDX also gathered Saturday, and the two groups quickly began shouting at each other and engaging in tense, face-to-face confrontations in front of the Multnomah County Justice Center. Within an hour of meeting, protesters began to push each other and throw objects. Some demonstrators on the pro-police side fired paintball guns and deployed pepper spray on counter-demonstrators. Other protesters used baseball bats. Many people wore helmets and body armor as they punched, kicked, and tore at each other. At least one pro-police demonstrator was filmed pointing a firearm at counter-protesters. After several rounds of physical confrontations, the Portland police warned around 1.45 p.m. that if people didn't stop, law enforcement would declare the protest an unlawful assembly. And by 2.30 p.m., most of the pro-Trump demonstrators retreated from downtown, Video posted online showed Portland police had started to gather in the area, but they did not intervene before counter-demonstrators drove the other protesters out of the area. Police declared an unlawful assembly at 2.50 p.m. In a press release distributed Saturday afternoon, Portland police said its officers did not intervene to stop the fighting because those involved, quote, willingly engaged. Its forces were stretched too thin from policing 80-plus nights of protests, and the Bureau didn't feel the clashes would last that long. Quote, Each skirmish appeared to involve willing participants, and the events were not enduring in time, so officers were not deployed to intervene, the release states. And statewide, with 14 large wildfires of 100 acres or more actively burning across eastern and central Oregon as of Saturday, forestry officials are asking the public to take extra precautions to avoid starting new fires. Over the past week, lightning struck more than 3,000 times east of the Cascades, igniting many new blazes, and some may still be smoldering undetected. Quote, we're patrolling for holdover fires, small fires smoldering near the ground, said Carol Connolly, a spokesperson for the Northwest Coordination Center, the agency that supports federal, state, and local firefighting efforts. Connolly says those invisible fires can flare up depending on the conditions. Quote, a combination of heat and wind push that fire to where we can see the smoke and it can be detected, she said. Connolly says any new human-caused fires will take critical staff resources away from the teams that are deployed across the state. 
And in Wisconsin this week, a black man was hospitalized in serious condition after police shot him several times in the back as he opened the door of a parked vehicle in Kenosha. Graphic video of the shooting emerged on social media late Sunday, sparking angry protests that prompted the city to declare an emergency curfew. The man was later identified as Jacob Blake, 29 years old, according to Governor Tony Evers, who said Blake was, quote, shot in the back multiple times in broad daylight. While we do not have all of the details yet, he said, what we know for certain is that he is not the first black man or person to have been shot or injured or mercilessly killed at the hands of individuals in law enforcement in our state or our country, he said in a statement. The shooting, which is now under investigation by the Wisconsin Department of Justice, occurred around 5 p.m. Sunday when officers responded to calls of a domestic incident. A 911 dispatcher reported that a complainant said Blake wasn't supposed to be there and that he had taken the complainant's keys and refused to give them back. Video shows Blake walking away from officers who are pointing their weapons at him. He approaches an SUV and opens the driver's side door when an officer grabs his shirt and subsequently fires at least seven shots into his back. They provided medical aid to Blake, who was transported to a hospital in Milwaukee, and he is currently in stable condition. In international news, the Berlin hospital treating the seriously ill Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny says he appears to have been poisoned, but doctors who treated him in Russia say the poisonous substance they described was not present. Mr. Navalny fell ill on an internal flight in Russia on Thursday. Video appeared to show Mr. Navalny, a critic of the Kremlin, writhing in agony on the flight from Tomsk in Siberia to Moscow. His supporters suspect poison was placed in a cup of tea he drank at the airport in Tomsk, and Mr. Navalny's flight made an emergency landing in Omsk where he first was treated. In their latest statement, the Omsk doctors say tests showed no sign of any of the poisonous substance in his body. Speaking last week, the same team suggested his illness was caused by a metabolic disorder triggered by low blood sugar. On Friday, they at first said he was too ill to be moved, but then allowed him to board a medical evacuation flight, which landed in Berlin on Saturday morning. That's all the news that you need to know this week. This has been What a Week. Have a great day, everyone.